Welcome, everyone, to Season 5, Episode 2 of the Hall of Fame Show, where it's myself, Kirk Buckner, and Evan Nolan. We run NotInHallOfFame.com, the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame, the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the United States Athletics Hall of Fame. We're going to get back to work on that, my friend. We do, yeah. Well, I have uh, I have some videos I'm planning to let everyone know who's newly eligible, at least. So Okay. Well, yeah, we'll figure that out. Maybe we'll start working on that a bit this week. Uh, but we are here to talk about some Hall of Fame related news. But before that, sometimes I break out the smorgasbord of shit. But I thought maybe I'd do a PSA instead. Okay. All right. So, like, we're recording this after uh, Sunday Night Football, uh, where we just watched Buffalo again go wide right. But Bills fans, I, 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 I'm, I'm aching for you. But there's a lot of football fans who get annoyed by Taylor Swift. I get it. I'm not a Taylor fan. I'm not a Swifty. Don't hate her. But I I think a lot of us are just sort of like tired of, all right, well, Kansas City scored, so we've got to now go to that shot of whatever she's doing in the press box. Not press box, sorry. Or her luxury box. I think some of us find it annoying. Yeah. I kind of do. So I'm bringing back something that I used to do. My friend and I, my, my good friend Dave, we would bring this out uh, every time. We called it, we called it Brett Farving. Because okay. it was when he wasn't playing and he was still on the sideline. It was like, how many times was he going to be, would the camera go to him? Mm. So, I mean, it's basically, it's a drinking game. So, sort of an honor that I got a red wine today. Because I thought that'd be something appropriate for that. So, I told my wife, this is what we're going to be doing. If Kansas City goes to the Super Bowl, I mean, like, am I going to be annoyed by all those shots? that are Sure. But, like, Pavlov trained the dogs. Every time she comes on screen, I get some pizza... Or beer. I know I'm using wine as a prop today. And if you do that, if you do that, you too can enjoy Taylor Swift and not say something inappropriate online on the X and get bombarded by the hate of the Swifties. You're welcome. <laughs> I'd have to say Eminem has been on camera a lot too during Lions games and nobody seems to mind. So it's different. It's completely different. In how? In which way? Eminem's not sleeping with one of the with one of the players, and it's not happening. Are you are you sure of that, Kirk? Based on his <laughs> lyrics, yes. Or maybe is he? Or maybe is he protesting too much? I don't know. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, Paul sent off a, a, a picture, which was just awesome in this game. Where sort of like the, it's my good, bad, and ugly, and I sent that to you, right? It's mm, yeah. It was basically a still shot. Of uh, I forget which score it doesn't matter, but you have Jennifer Mahomes, not Jennifer, Brittany Mahomes. Sorry, uh, you're the one who sort of like led me down the Brittany path because I didn't know much about she's, her. Right? She's not. I'm sorry. She's what? <laughs> she's not my favorite. Well, I know she's not, but I mean, then I sort of like did. I was doing Google searches today in preparation. I prepped for this. Why does everyone hate Brittany? It, it didn't. It, it didn't come up Spears right away. It came up Mahomes. So apparently a lot of people just dislike her. So I thought that was sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly of all that. Because in that shot, you have a shirtless Jason Kelsey chugging a beer. And that's just sort of awesome. Uh, the bad in that, we're just tired of Taylor. Or maybe that's the, or, and, and the ugly of, you know, there, there's there's a poor Brittany clout chasing. This is her big, she climbed the highest mountain. What's going to happen when that relationship comes to it? comes to an end maybe it won't maybe this time she found love which i don't know what she'd write about then man 
who knows? I mean, you you never know. Eventually, people find love, and then you end up you end up writing uh, you end up writing seventies uh, love songs, right? Could be. I just have a feeling there's going to be a deep cut with the lyric on the next album that's going to going to say that annoying hanger on, and it's going to be referenced to a certain uh, Brittany Mahomes. Mm, who I will still take after everything I learned. Other than she just seems to rub people the wrong way. I mean, the fact that they were high school sweethearts, I think is actually kind of cool. So that's true. Yeah. It's, it, that works out a lot, I think, for a lot of these folks. Like LeBron married his high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. uh, Tatum is with his high school, or I guess freshman of college sweetheart. Like the people who are with you before you become real famous are probably the people who are going to be there for you later. Right. I mean, I, I don't necessarily have so much of a, I, I then checked out her Instagram for the first time today and I could see why maybe there's just something about her that people dislike, whatever. Uh, either way, Brittany, way, way over Jackson. So there you go. Mm -hmm. I, I, okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll take Brittany over Jackson any day. Yeah. 100%. Yep. So yeah, that's basically what I'm advising everyone to do. That's what I'm going to be doing come the Super Bowl, should the Chiefs be in. Fair, fair enough. There you go, and that can help all of you. It can help relationships across the country. You actually well, we'll, want her to be on. We'll, yeah, we'll see. This is like, so I've said multiple times that this Chiefs team is a 2006 Patriots mm -hmm. who made it the AFC Championship game and then lost to. Peyton, I very much feel like they've now hit their destiny. Uh, they've gotten as far as they're going to go. I hope that Baltimore's going to get through this, um, but we shall see. Mm -hmm. Although the, them getting the Super Bowl and the Lions somehow winning would be fantastic. So we'll get we'll get there in a second. Well, can you imagine that? So let's say Kansas City beats Detroit in the Super Bowl. I mean, the whole Rust Belt will then completely despise Taylor Swift. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I have no idea. Yeah. What She's a time person of the year, man. Come on. Yeah, it's right up there. Oh, actually, we should pour one out. Uh, because oh, there is a big giant. Hold on, stop, stop, stop before we what you're about to say. What? That's that's gonna be my outlet, I'm pretty sure. Are you talking about the death of a periodical? Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, wait. That's that's me. That's All right. So. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll wait. I'll move on. We've got some actual uh, some actual Hall of Fame related news. Uh, quick mm -hmm. off. Uh, yesterday, uh, during the UFC 297, uh, former lightweight champion Frankie Edgar was named as the modern air modern wing entrant for this for the 2024 class. So congratulations to him. Well earned. Mm -hmm. uh, big draw. Former champion. Uh, successful title defenses and people paid to see him. What more do you want out of a Hall of Famer? Congratulations. I will say everything I've learned about UFC, I have learned against my will. So I have no idea exactly okay. what this means, but congratulations if he's deserving good for him. I I believe so. Uh, so cool. then, oh, go ahead. I said no. Cool. Yeah, that's, I have nothing to attribute on UFC. So that's awesome. All right, so then we've got two um, moderately sized ones. Uh, mm -hmm. The International Ice Hockey uh, Federation named their class of 2024. It's 12 entrants, and they're kind of all over the place. And the they will recognize people that you've never heard of in certain direct elected awards, which is interesting, kind of cool. Maybe it helps with the whole concept of the word international. 
but mm -hmm. I guess we'll get with the ones from the main countries here first. Uh, Natalie Darwitz of the United States, a very, very, very good player, uh, 12 years with the national team, three gold medals, five silver in world championship, and two, uh, didn't win an Olympic gold. So that was when Canada was on fire. Oh, uh, question for you. Sorry, I just, I distracted myself. Have you watched any of the, of the pro, of the pro women's league in hockey? No. Okay. I, I watched a little bit of it. Uh, congratulations to the crowds in Minneapolis. Apparently they drew 13,000 for their opener. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is pretty damn good. Uh, it got recommended on YouTube for me. It's like, oh, shit. I, and then I, so I watched a bit of it. It's uh, Obviously, it's certainly not at the level of any kind of men's group. But that's, that's fine. They're playing with intent. They're playing some chippier hockey than I remember the last time I ever watched Women's League play. So congratulations to them. But this looks like this could work you know, for the first time, because they, it never worked before. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay. Uh, cool. Also, go ahead. I was going to say that 13,000 probably outdrew the Timberwolves for years. Uh, it outdrew, outdrew a lot of games that the Jets have been doing, and we're uh, fighting you guys for number one. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, well, was... we, the, Bruins, the Bruins put nine up on Montreal last night. So that was very exciting. Here's, here's a sentence I didn't think I'd say. So yeah, there we go. It's going to be a battle of number ones this Monday night between the Boston Bruins and Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Jets. But that, wow. that's, that's what we legit have this uh, for tomorrow night. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, continuing on with the IIHF class, we got Mel Davidson of Canada. Uh, so he was a coach uh, at 2006-2010 Olympics. And... Uh, 2000, uh, 2007 Worlds. It's Melanie Davidson, but she goes by Mel, so uh, that's on the women's side. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest name is Yarmir Yager. I'm doing this alphabetically, obviously. I got uh, it. Yeah, uh, from the Czech Republic and Czechoslovakia in his early years, uh, part of that dominant team of in the 1998 Olympics, which uh, we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, also, here's, here's, the, here's, here's the thing. I thought you had to be retired because he started... His uh, his uh, his thirtieth uh, season. No, what was it? He's fifty two. He's been professional since he was fifteen. So he's like, I guess not. Yeah, it's interesting because Yager is still playing with his hometown team back in the Czech Republic. Yeah, which is why he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Maybe yeah. they figure because he hasn't represented the Czech Republic in a long time, mm. and he's not he's not going to. But this is the greatest player in Czech history. Maybe, possibly, you could argue that Dominic Hasek is, uh, if not the one A one B. Yeah, I think I still think most people take Yager. I think so, uh, but yeah. ironically enough, or coincidentally enough, rather, we're gonna, well, actually. I'll just skip to that one right now because he's technically inducted twice. Uh, the Czech team, uh, so they don't normally do teams, but mm -hmm. they did this time. So they're inducting the Czech team of 19, uh, of 98. 98 uh, the 98 Olympics, yeah. The 98 Olympics, a team that where Hasek was so good, again, against the best players in the world. Mm -hmm. He had a goals against average under one. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't care. Yeah, that they, won, they won the gold medal that year, one nothing yeah. against Russia. Yeah, and, and how to beat uh, like a, a very powerful Canadian team to do it. 
to get in the, mm-hmm. uh, to get past in the they, semis. They had a shootout, I think, if yeah. I remember correctly. Right. So, I mean, like, Hashik was phenomenal. It wasn't like he didn't have help in front of him. Obviously, Jagger was there. So, he did have some good teammates. But Hashik, that might be along with what Mike Richter did in mm-hmm. uh, the 96 World Cup of Hockey. The reason why I am a big fan of him for the Hockey Hall of Fame. But mm-hmm. it's, it's the greatest performance ever by a goalie in international yeah. history. I, I truly believe that. Uh, Kenny Janssen. So we got somebody from Sweden. Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, good defensive player on some on Swedish goal teams in the world. Uh, bronze in the World Cup of Hockey 96. Uh, pretty good player. For, if I remember right, he played for the Islanders for an extended period of time. Yeah, he was originally, he was drafted by the Leafs, but he ended up with mostly with the Islanders. Uh, this one I had to go way back, and I kind of... And, and they won Olympic gold in Lillehammer back in 94, so he was on that Oh, that's team. right, yeah. Uh, Igor, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, because I'm not that familiar with this gentleman, uh, Igor Liba, uh, mm-hmm. from Slovakia, but really represented the che- Czechoslovakia, because he didn't he didn't play for Slovakia. Uh, mm-hmm. So he this was like before his... His best years were before Czech players were in the, the NHL. Certainly seems like yeah. he was good enough to have been in the NHL, but he wasn't there. So, well, he he played thirty seven. He played thirty seven games. Right, but I mean, at the tail end of his career. Yeah, well, he played thirty seven games with the Rangers and Kings, and then decided yeah. he wanted to just go back home mm-hmm. more than anything. So, and, and good on him. But you know, certainly a deserving person here. Uh, this person's very interesting to me. Somebody who chose to stay in Finland was good enough to sort of play in the NHL, chose not to. Uh, Pateri uh, Numelin. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to this for the World Hockey Championships. This defenseman, a gold, four silvers, two bronze. Uh, and he also played, uh, he also won silver in the Olympics and was in the World Cup of Hockey team. Usually when you look at that, the Finnish team, it's mostly NHL players and a couple of people who decide to stay in the Finnish league. This guy was that guy to stay in the Finnish league. Probably could have mm-hmm. made, definitely could have made it, but chose not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so he, he, played, he had a 30 year career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played in, I have it listed here. He played a lot in Finland. He played 139 games in Columbus and Minnesota, mm-hmm. but mostly uh, Finland, Sweden, Switzerland, Norway, and Japan. Yeah. So, which is pretty impressive. And yeah, and his gold, to- his uh, medal total is ridiculous. So here's a player I forgot completely all about. Uh, so I would have, I saw him, uh, you know, quite a, quite a bit in the 80s as sort of like a reserve player for the Oilers on three of their cups. Like when I started watching hockey a whole hell of a lot. Uh, Yaroslav Puzar, uh, another person from Czechoslovakia. So he was able to uh, gain three cups. Like if you're going to play, br- well, not briefly, but if you're only going to play maybe a few hundred games in the NHL and it's in the 80s, I don't think there's any better place than Edmonton at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, he he played with Gretzky and Curry on the line. Yeah. Pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, you, Olympic, you, you can't hope for better line mates maybe in the history of hockey than Gretzky and Curry. <laughs> it's up there. Uh, gold, uh, Silver medal in the Olympics in 76. Uh, also uh, two gold in the World Hockey Championships. So certainly a very good career. Uh, this one surprised me, but I more surprised myself. I forgot how often he represented Canada, Ryan Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so sometimes I think of him. The first thing I always think about is how he, he was a bit of a whiner on occasion. 
used to call him crying mm-hmm. Ryan in Edmonton, but a very good player in his own right. Represented Canada a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, two gold, a silver at the Worlds. Uh, also good enough to uh, to be on the 2002 Olympic team. So you're still pretty good if you're playing on Team Canada. Uh, gold mm-hmm. in the World Juniors in 95 and the 2004 World Cup of Hockey. So very, very deserving. Well, interesting. He was already inducted in 2020, but COVID happened. And so they're oh, just basically honoring him at this one. Is he the only so, one that they're doing that for? I don't know. I know I saw that as part of it. I'll figure that out. So so here, here's where we get where it gets a little couple of these people are very very interesting desiderni varga from romania and he's the recipient of the toriani award which is basically going to a player from let's be blunt shitty international teams <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say this yeah I, I get it yeah but uh 17 world hockey championships that he played for representing romania including the only time where they ever made the a group hmm. so Sounds like a pretty good choice to me, based on what limited I know of. I mean, I know my hockey, Evan, but I can't tell you much about Team Romania. No, I, I can't tell you much either. So, but good for him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Paula Lokoro Award, I might be pronouncing that, that incorrectly also. Uh, that's going to Ukraine's Anatoly Brezvin. Uh, he was the president of Ukraine's Ice Hockey Federation from 2006 to 2020. Uh, according to what I read, he was a big part of trying to grow the game in Ukraine and work on facilities. I don't know how many of them are still intact, mm. but nevertheless, that's where we are. And here's a cool okay. one. Uh, the first time they ever did uh, something in the media. And who better than Al Michaels? Do you believe in miracles from the, from the United States uh, of America? Yes. In the 1980, yeah. I mean, like, it is the greatest call in all hockey history, period, in my opinion. Not just international, all of hockey. Right. Yeah. It blows my mind here that 43 years later, Al Michaels is still a part of my regular day or, or regular week in, in sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he got, he was supposed to be working this postseason, but he apparently got, you know, told not to. Uh, so it's a little bit weird. This is the first postseason without him. Uh, for I miss football. that. But, I mean, uh, like I'm not. I wasn't been. Pay, I haven't been paying attention to a lot of the media. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, still 43 years later. I mean, the man's in his mid to late 70s at this point. So doesn't look it. Does not. So uh, and by the way, to answer your question from before, mm-hmm. the 20, class of 2020 was inducted during the 2022. To IIHF World Championship as class of 2022, but uh, Smith couldn't make it. So everybody else in the class has been inducted and was part of this thing that Smith, for whatever reason, couldn't be there. Um, I don't know if he was sick or whatever. So they're doing it now. Okay. Essentially. All right, so well, that the rest of that the rest of that class included Alexi Yashin, Kimo Timonen, Mark Street, uh, Matthias Seeger, Mon Wong Chung. Uh, from South Korea and Ron Bertling from the Netherlands, who got that same award for the Romanian guy. Okay, yeah, uh, one. This is certainly one uh, Hall of Fame that Pierre Turgeon will never make. That I will go on record. It is impossible. We'll see. What we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'm writing letters. Okay. Uh, yeah, he won't. He won't make it. I know. 
He didn't get off the bench. He didn't get off the bench for a fight. And Canadians are, you know, mm-hmm. there's been so few fights the Canadians have been in, and they remember the few that happened. Okay. So. Okay. How many times did he represent Canada after? I know. I know. I know. I've written for I those know. who don't. Close your eyes. It, 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 it's a round number. <laughs> I was trying to do a little bit of a bit, but okay, fine. All right, what's a bit? I'm sorry. Close your eyes. What do you see? Nothing? That, it's not the same now. <laughs> it's, round, it's a round number, like I said. It's a round number, so. yes. It is a, yes, a round number. Uh, uh, congratulations to all the members of the IHF Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Which you can actually visit. You think it's hard. It's not. It's in Toronto. It's, it's housed in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. Yeah. Why well, have a whole separate building for it? Yeah. Maybe we're going to put Switzerland, like with all the rest of the international stuff. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people would go. Yeah, that's know. my point. Uh, Stockholm? I suppose you've been to Stockholm. Prague. Yeah. Helsinki. Although if you put if you put something put someone in there and then they didn't want and they didn't want to leave, would that be Stockholm syndrome? Mm. Could be. Could be. <laughs> that was uh, when I was a kid, I uh made up a fake league baseball league for teams in Europe. And that was one of the teams, the Stockholm Syndromes. We also had the uh, Warsaw Casualties, the uh, Crimea Rivers, uh, the Brussels Sprouts. There was a Lyons Club. And, of course, the Nice guys who always finished last. So <laughs> there are a few others. That London, The London Derriers was one. There was uh, – I can't remember them all. So – yeah, so, yeah. I I thought the the Crimea Rivers was one of my my favorite ones. So that's that's very very good. That was, that was good. the league champion? Uh, I think we that year we did it. Uh, some some of my buddy Bill Bunting uh, and I uh, had a whole thing. I think it was, I think it was London. I don't even remember. That's awesome. That is. I have I actually have the notebooks of all of the standings. We did a whole draft. Mm-hmm. So, like, you draft any player from history, uh, and then, you know, we kept uh, statistics. We were very nerdy and very bored in 1992, so. Well, oh, yeah, as opposed to the coolness that I that I radiate, so no judgment here. <laughs> uh, to, to sort of, like, top this off, remind me, I actually have a D&D question for you after. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna we we're, we're actually gonna talk a little bit about D and D when we get to the people who passed away. So oh we are okay. Well there we go. Well we got one more Hall of Fame, uh the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And before we went on, mm-hmm. we were sort of confused a little bit about one. Uh I think one stands out a little bit more than the other, and I'm more than happy to be corrected on this. I don't mm-hmm. mind admitting that I'm wrong unless I'm talking to my wife. And then I've never been wrong. How are you still married? I am still married. <laughs> <laughs> i said how no whether oh how you know, especially, yeah especially the fact that uh with, with her level of success and me doing mm. this yeah i don't know i have no idea uh, yeah. there are five new entrants uh hillary Lindsay. uh i just did more of a deep dive in her own career but she's mostly known for everything that she wrote for others uh jesus take the wheel carrie underwood 
Girl Crush, uh, Little Big Town, Blue Ain't Your Color, Keith Urban, Always Remember Us This Way and Million Reasons by Lady Gaga. So a whole lot of stuff on the, damn, I'm blanking on the movie. Um, the remake, Star is Born. Star is Born, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, she, she was uh, nominated for an Academy Award and a Golden Globe. So congratulations to her. Uh, the one we're a little bit struggling with, and maybe, and again, I, he might be more prolific writer than I'm aware. Uh, I know him as a genius producer, and that's Timbaland. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of him more as a producer with this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but yeah, so Timothy Mosley. Mm. <sighs> um, yeah, so I mean, like, especially when I'm looking at some of the his biggest hits that they reference. Uh, so Justin Timberlake's Sexy Back, which isn't exactly lyrically proficient, but whatever. Uh, Missy mm -hmm. Elliott's Get Your Freak On. I thought that'd probably be more from her, but what do I know? Big Pimpin' Jay-Z. Uh, and a lot of stuff he did from that pretty decent album, uh, The Way I Are, Give It To Me. 21-time uh, Grammy nominee. I, I, I just feel like there might have been someone better to fill this slot, but... Again, I am more than happy to be proven inaccurate on his mm -hmm. writing pro on his writing prowess. I I don't I, I I do have to say I have a uh t-shirt I bought years ago from Mental Floss, which I am mm -hmm. it's one of my gold t-shirts when I lose when I get down to my goal weight, but it has uh, a picture of a whole bunch of change and it says medium pimping on it. Um it's like a whole bunch of quarters and pennies and nickels and dimes. So I, I appreciate Big Pippin, if nothing more than for my sartorial splendor. There so, yeah. All right. So here's, a, I guess, from the soundtrack of a, a lot of people's early 80s, almost literally, uh, mm -hmm. Tim Pitchford. You probably don't know the name. I didn't. But he wrote a hell of a lot of songs that were a big part of my tween years, whether I liked them or not, because you couldn't escape them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Footloose, Kenny Loggins, Fame, Irene Cara, Holding Out for a Hero, Bonnie Tyler, mm -hmm. All the Man That I Need, Whitney Houston, and one of my least favorite songs of all time, Let's Hear It for the Boy, Denise Williams. Let's hear it for the boy. I always thought that was Whitney Houston's song for so long. I, I was always creeped out by it. Like, even though I was a kid when that came out, it's like, why is this woman, this grown-ass woman sort of like, Really, in the video, she's always around, you know, young boys and maybe situations she shouldn't be. I don't know. It was. Look, maybe he's no Romeo, but he's her love in one man's show. Oh, 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 oh. I don't know. It's That's just a, a personal <laughs> thing for me. But what do I know, as we've established, not a whole hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. All right. And the last two are bands. Bill Berry, Peter Buck, Mike Mills, and Michael Stipe. You know them, you love them as R.E.M. Mm -hmm. uh, long overdue, uh, R.E.M. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I was like, R.E.M.'s not in already? That's what I thought. So, maybe, maybe shiny, happy people is that bad that it kept him out, out for a while. Uh, that was that was Neil Diamond always said he wasn't getting in because you don't give me flowers um, to the Rock Hall. Um, so maybe that, you know, shiny, happy people was what kept, uh, well, shiny, happy people is like stairway to heaven. When I compare it to stand. Oh, are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. I, I hate that song. I love Stan. Ah, hate it. Absolutely okay. hate it. You're allowed to be wrong. We've established <laughs> that that's a pattern with me. So there you go. 
And closing out is something that Evan taught me was about a, a band name about a dildo. I didn't know this. I'm, I'm glad to educate you. Steely Dan. I, I'm more than happy to get all my dildo information from my fellow heterosexual male friend. Yes, I. That, that's the only thing I know about them is uh, that that and Thin Lizzy are the two dildos from Naked Love. So it was a trivia question years ago uh, when I used to do bar trivia and didn't have kids. Um, so that was the final question. Name either the two bands named after the Dillos from Naked Lunch. And we came up with Thin Lizzy because we had no idea. We were just trying to figure it out what sounded like the best Dillo name. So, you know, another good one might have been 10CC. Which one? 10CC. Mm, yes, that would be good. We. 10cc wasn't on my radar back then. Um, uh, well, you weren't in love then. Yeah, I suppose. Love. Yeah. Uh, Yazoo. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, just coming up with them off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so, and after, anyway. And after you're done, you're finished, you can get hit with the culture club. Mm, there you go. Let's, let's get out of this. Wham. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> let's take way out of this until and uh, look at people who died. That's uh, not the best segue I've ever heard, but uh, uh anyway, no. the that sponsorship hasn't come in yet. Ah, uh, by the way, congratulations to everybody who got into the uh, into oh, the yes. uh, we didn't yeah, just like this one last that. thought though, Steely Dan, though, like, like REM, I, I, I want to say, like, aren't both of them first ballot uh first year eligible rock and roll hall of famers i know rem was i don't know if steely dan got in first thing it's been so long since i've opened up yeah i've been doing so many of these other things it's been so long since i've opened up my rock hall pop, uh spreadsheet yeah um but but i guess i don't know it's like steely they dan are first because to my knowledge rem didn't really get a lot of help writing their material i don't think steely dan did either i mean they were mm. production and like perfectionists i just don't see that yeah so um, it's 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 interesting with that criteria that they come up with. Yeah, I mean the all every Hall of Fame is going to be interesting in how they come up with stuff. Um, but you you would think I mean there's been over 400 inductees into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, including not I mean not people but like writers and bands and singers and everything like that. You'd think that Steely Dan in particular, since I mean REM's been around since what 79 80. Um, Steely, Steely Dan predates them by a decade. Um, right. So, hold on, let's see here. Steely Both Dan. of them have never seen a dip in their legacy go, uh, obviously, their popularity, because... No, so Steely Dan got in in 2001 on their third, uh, their third bite at the apple. To be fair, that was a lot harder then. Yeah, you. so in their first year was 99. Mm -hmm. They lost out to Billy Joel, Curtis Mayfield, Paul McCartney, Del Shannon, Dusty Springfield, Bruce Springsteen, and the Staple Singers. Like, that is a lineup. Um, uh, I mean, maybe you could quibble with Del Shannon, but it was his seventh time on the ballot at that point. No, I love Del lost out to Eric Clapton, Earth, Wind, and Fire, The Love and Spoonful, The Moon Glows, Bonnie Raitt, and James Taylor. Um, again, Maybe the Moon Glows. I was there six out. There was their sixth uh, nomination at that point. So the class of two thousand one 
had first ballots uh, Michael Jackson and Paul Simon, second ballots of Aerosmith and Queen, third ballot Richie Valens. Well, Richie had been it, it was his third time eligible. His third. Wait, wait, wait. Queen didn't get in on the first first year. No, what's his name from uh, Vulture, who I make fun of all the time. Every time he comes out with his article. Uh, well, I know what you're talking thing. about the, the one where he ranks all the all the yeah, all and, and, he, and he put Lionel Richie's now the worst band, but Queen was for years for him because he said they're a one they're a one hit wonder. Um, which hit? Which, uh, I think Bohemian Rhapsody, but I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, I, you, I you gotta could find say, that you, article again. You could say, so. oh, it'll come out again in what? What the Rock Hall is probably coming up at the early February now. Yeah. You you and I will redo that. Maybe we'll get a Nick with a vote, Nick Baumbach. He's yeah. just a genius when it comes to all this sort of he stuff. But, but but you gotta figure that like there are just people that, that's the problem with the old nominating committee. Like if people just didn't like somebody, mm. they didn't get in. So uh, what's his name? Jan Winter said that Kiss would never get in while he was alive. And finally, they got enough people to get him through, get them through, and they got in their first opportunity. But it was like their well, no, they didn't. They, didn't. Uh, they they were they were finalists before. Or were they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were, but you know, it was like one of those things where it's interesting that they ever got in at all, considering mm -hmm. that most of the people who are in that who actual vote actually vote are critically minded. Yeah. Yeah, true. I, I can't think of a better word than that other than say a stick up their ass, but uh, maybe that was a better word. So, yeah. So anyway, the rest of them, Steely Dan, Richie Valens on their third ballot, the Flamingos on their fifth, Solomon yeah. Burke on his tenth, making him the longest, most nominated and getting in, uh, as opposed to Sheik, who's been nominated ten times and hasn't gotten in. By the way, the bands that did not make it, all of them in, are in except for one, which is the New York Dolls. Everyone else, ACDC did not get in. Um, ACDC, Bob Seeger, and Patty Smith, first year of eligibility, Brenda Lee and Leonard Skinner and Lou Reed with their second nominations, Black Sabbath with their fourth, mm -hmm. and uh, New York Dolls still are not in. They're the only one left from the class of 2001. So, mm -hmm. anyway. all right, all right. So, oh, no, here's the segue now that Jan Winner's career has died, who else has died? Yes, there we go. Um, so we're gonna start with. Music. So there were so many people from the end of last year. I'm just going to clean those up since we're going to have another podcast on Thursday. Yeah. Please. Anyone who done last week, I'm just going to come back to them at that point. Um, so we're going to start with uh, uh, from the Misfits. Oh. Um, on. My computer just froze. Give me one quick second. Come mm -hmm. on. Guilty pleasure band of mine is the Misfits. Yes. Um, well, I think I love their look more than their actual music, but there's something to it. Uh, so Manny Martinez, mm -hmm. uh, who was a drummer back in 1977, uh, passed away at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. I believe he was 68 years old. Um, so may he rest in peace. Um, Colin Burgess. Australian rock musician, drummer in the Masters of Princesses, and later became the original drummer from ACDC. Oh. Um, from 73 to 74. Um, so he had, they had top 20 single success in Australia with the Masters of Apprentices. Uh, what They had four top 20s. 
He's a member of the ARIA Hall of Fame. Um, but he passed away at the age of 77. Um, so, yeah, he was replaced by a successor of drummer before Paul, Phil Rudd joined, and then Rudd injured his right hand in a fight. Burgess was recalled as his replacement for a few weeks. So, um, and that he was actually at the music factory in London when Bon Scott died. He was one of the last people Scott spoke to before he left. Oh. Uh, yeah, Colin Burgess was 77. Um, from George Clinton's Parliament and Funkame Funkadelic, uh, Amp Fiddler, uh, Joseph Anthony Amp Fiddler, um, who was with the Funkadelic from 85 to 96, uh, passed away at the age of 65. Uh, from cancer mm. so um uh from the trogs um, uh from the trogs basic uh bass guitarist and backing vocalist pete lucas who'd mm. been with the band he was not one of the original members but had been with the band for oh so he wasn't with them when they did wild thing he just played it forever yeah, he started with the band in 85. So the Trogs have still been touring forever. They're still going. Uh, and he's been uh, he's been the bass player and backing vocalist since 1985. Can you imagine them. going to a Trogs concert and say, you know, I, I don't want to play Wild Thing today. <laughs> wild like, Thing? I think I hate playing it. Um, like, a, like a story my uncle told me about Don Ho. They saw him, saw him in Hawaii and he got drunk. And he said, I don't want to play Tiny Bubbles today. I'm sick of Tiny Bubbles. Yeah. Well, he, they, then they used a palindrome on him. They must have said, oh, no, Don Ho, which is a palindrome. So, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the original members of the Chicks, or the, no, formerly known as the oh, Chicks. Oh, yeah, okay, this one I read about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Laura Lynch. So she was with them from 90 through 95. Before they got famous. Uh, she, yeah, before they became real famous. Um, she was replaced by Natalie Maines. Um, mm. So Dixie Chicks, you originally had Robin Lynn Macy, Laura Lynch, Emily Strayer, and Marty McGuire. Uh, and then Laura Lynch, when she left, um, she was on lead vocals. Uh, and then Natalie Maines came in as a lead vocalist after that. Um, but she passed away at the age of 65. So. What, 65? Yeah, she was a, the oldest member of the group. Oh, crap. I, I yeah. didn't realize, well, no, the other, the other, the living members, the current group, they're not even in their 50s yet, are they? I guess maybe they are. Correct. I don't know. I don't, I, I actually, I just closed the window, so I can't tell you. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, they couldn't be, but anyway. Um, Anyway, um, uh, Robert Johnson of Steel Eye Span, who was with them from 72 to 77 and again from 80 to 2001, uh, he passed away at the age of 79. Mm -hmm. uh, you remember Steel Eye Span? I do not. But when he started saying uh, Robert Johnson, I was going to say, you're decades late on this one, pal. Nice. No, different one. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he, yeah, he passed away at the age of 79. Um, also from music, hold on a second. It's got a little messed up. I'll get to that in a second. Um, dun, dun, dun. Where is it? Uh, there you go. 
Uh, Larry Collins, one of the Collins kids, also passed away at the age of 79. Um, so they, they, he and his sister uh, performed from 19... His sister Lori passed away in 2018, but they had their hits in the 1950s of Hop, Skip, a Jump, Beetlebug, Bop, and Hoy Hoy. So there you go. Now, oh, Brandon Bobbery, folks. Wow. Uh, but yeah, he passed away at the age of 79. He also uh, co wrote the song Delta Dawn. Um, I know that. Yeah, from 1972. So he was one of the co writers of that one. Now, there, there was a Monday Night Raw where Stone Cold sang that. Oh, really? Yep. He sings as good as you think. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So I think we're out of music. Okay. Uh, so I would like to point out though. Oh no, I'm sorry. There's one more. Okay. Um, James Kotak, uh, best known for his work as a drummer with Scorpions. Ah. Uh, uh, passed away at the age of 61. Also as member Montrose, uh, Warrant, uh, and a couple others over time. So he's married okay. to Tommy Lee's sister. Uh, Athena Bass. I'll think of the joke after we're done. Probably it'll come to me tomorrow and I'll message you. I, I just don't know what it is. Yeah, he was actually fired from Scorpions uh, in 2016 because of alcoholism, which is probably not that surprising. No. Uh, he passed one. Um, okay. So going into other things, uh, Maurice Hines, the older brother of Gregory Hines, uh, the famous dancer who passed away years ago, uh, passed away at the age of 80. I'm not familiar with him. Was he a dancer too? Uh, he was, hold on, I just closed it. Uh, yes, he was He was an actor and dancer as well. Okay. Um, I'll leave it there. Um, I'm trying to get through these folks so you make sure you get there. Uh, Anna Ophelia Morgia, uh, better known as Grandma Co Mama Coco from Coco. She was a very well-known uh, Mexican actress, but we all know her probably from that. She was also in in, uh, in Dune, among other things, but uh, mm. she passed away uh, at the age of ninety. No, no uh, kids, so I don't I don't see on any of this stuff. Coco is really freaking good. You should go see that one. Uh, my wife in the background just put her hand up and said, "Yes, I should." Yes, Coco is fantastic. Yeah. Um. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I missed one other person uh, for music. Tommy Towton, a member of the 70s rock band Cowboy, and also a backing uh, man uh, with the Allman Brothers. Oh. Um, he went on to play Greg Allman as uh, on Allman's first tour as a solo artist, mm -hmm. as well as playing several Allman Brothers band songs on album and, uh, on Brothers and Sisters. Also played with Johnny Rivers, Paul Butterfield, um, uh, Billy Joe Shaver, Dickie mm -hmm. Betts, Kitty Wells, folks like that. Martin Mull, uh, but he passed away at the age of 74. I knew there was he one. played with Martin Mull? He did. I, I didn't know that Martin Mull did anything musical. I mean, he's Canadian. Of course he did. Martin <laughs> Mull? I, I, I thought he was. Well, he was on, uh, no, he was on SCTV, right? You know, Martin Short. Yeah, Martin Short's Canadian. I don't know. Martin Mulder seems like he's Canadian. I don't think so. Oh, my, I got to look that up now. Ugh. Martin Mulder. Well, it's going to bother both of us now. Martin, he's from Chicago, so no. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> right, what kind of windy cityite are you? 
Is that a word? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a transplanted one. I know. Um, I, I, I knew the uh, it's not a very good one, but I just wanted to run there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do not root for any of the local teams. Um, what, one of, and during karate class, uh, the sensei was talking about the Bears, and my daughter said, what sport do the Bears play? And the sensei was like, sensei was like beside himself. And I'm like, ask her about snakes. She does. I don't need to. I don't need her to get involved with a losing proposition like the Bears. Yep. Um, a spit take of red wine would have been catastrophic for this laptop. So I'm kind of glad. <laughs> I was I'm, able. I'm to that. I'll, I'll yeah. try. I'll try to keep the time. I'll try to keep the timing down a little bit less. Oh, don't um, no, I love. Uh, that's on my part. It's, it's it's on me to exercise self control. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, perhaps the greatest rugby player in the early history of New Zealand. Imagine him as like the Babe Ruth of New Zealand rugby. Uh, Des White passed away at the age of 96. Um, so uh, I know nothing has, about rugby, so. Yeah, he still has a record for points scored in all matches and has uh, he had 467 career points on seven tries and 233 goals. Which is a lot of points, uh, but he played in the forties and fifties. So I just want to point that out because if you ever get the best in the sport, it's probably good to at least mention them. Mm -hmm. um, for the Canadian Football League, four-time CFL West All-Star Jim Hayton uh, passed away at the age of seventy-nine. Played for the BC Lions, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Montreal Alouettes from sixty-nine through eighty-one. Um, also passing away from football, member of the another all-star member of Hamilton Tiger Cats, Willie Bethea. I don't think oh, I remember any, him. I don't think he has any relation to the other Bethea, the uh, Bethea in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hall no, no, I, yeah, but I remember him. Okay, um, yeah. he got, he was a halfback, fullback. He passed away at the age of eighty-five. Mm -hmm. Um, another multi-time. It was a bad time for the CFL. Uh, Burke Dales, um, CFL All-Star in 2010, 2011. Uh, and then, well, I guess 2006, 2009, 2010, and 2011. Passed away at the age of 46. Ah. Um, I don't know what he passed for. He's actually uh, the cousin of Jason Arnott. Oh, okay. The hockey so, Yep. And his sister, Stacy Dales, mm -hmm. uh, is the WNBA player. Another uh, former Oiler. And that's going to be another theme because I'm going to be talking a bit about that, about that team shortly. Mm. Um, member of the Super Bowl 18 winning Los Angeles Raiders of Anaheim. Just kidding. Uh, Los Angeles Raiders of Oakland of Las Vegas. Uh, Jack Swirick, the linebacker, uh, passed away at the age of 64. Um, don't know what he passed of. Uh, uh, Marty Amsler, a professional football player, played with the Bears, Bengals, and Packers uh, from 65 through 71. Member of the NFL All-Rookie Team in 67. Mm. Uh, he passed away at the age of 81. Uh, things interspersed here. Uh, Frank Ryan, probably the best known of these folks, former quarterback of the uh, Los Angeles Rams, and Cleveland Browns and Washington Redskins, NFL champion in 64 with the Browns, three-time Pro Bowler from 64 to 66, two-time NFL 
touchdowns leader in 64 and 66, member of the of the Cleveland Browns legends. He mm-hmm. passed away at the age of 87. Um, 16,000 career passing yards, 149 touchdowns, 111 interceptions, and a 51% completion rate, which back for the 60s and 70s was honestly not all that bad. Yeah, especially um, that uh, TD-INT ratio. Right yeah. So he's fourth all-time still in pass- passing yards in the history of the of the Browns behind really? uh, that that would uh, still put him number one with the Bears that would still put him number one at 13,000 I don't know how many it wouldn't it put it this way he'd be no worse than number two with the Bears with 13,000 career yards mm-hmm. um moving on to oh sorry one more football player uh Ken Bowman uh played with the Packers from 64 to 73 and one year with the Hawaiians. Ah, uh, World League. But he two-time Super Bowl champion, member of the Super Bowl one and two teams, uh three-time NFL champion, member of the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. Uh he passed away at the age of 81. All right. Uh going to a different sport, hockey. Uh Connie Madigan, who played for the St. Louis Blues from 55 through 76. Wait a um, minute. I don't remember that name. Wait, it can't he, be from 55. Blues didn't become a team until 67. Oh, he had, sorry, he played. I apologize. He played with the Blues, uh, his main team. I'm sorry, his career lasted from 55 to 76. Okay. He played for Fort Wayne Commons, Portland Buckaroos, a whole bunch of stuff. He also was had a minor role as Mad Dog Madison from Slapshot, the legendary hockey goon. Oh, okay. But he, he, uh, he would have been one of was he like one of the ringers then, I guess, that they brought in for Syracuse. He may have been. I'm sorry, he was the old that's the other thing, reason I had this. He was the oldest rookie in the list history of the NHL. So he made his NHL debut at the age of 38. So that's awesome. You know what I learned? I don't know if this is true or not. Apparently, one of the characters uh in that uh, McCracken from Slapshot was the inspiration mm-hmm. of, of Wolverine. I don't know if that's true or not, because that feels like really? that couldn't be historically right. Because I feel like, didn't Wolverine come after 76 in the X-Men? But Maybe. I don't know. I don't know my comic book stuff. I, I, I don't know enough about that either. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I missed three more football players. That's the only hockey person. So Ed Budd um, from Kansas City Chiefs oh. of 76. I missed that. He's a, he was really good. Yep. Uh, five-time AFL All-Star, two-time first-team All-AFL, two-time second-team All-AFL, two-time Pro Bowler, member of the Kansas City Chiefs Chiefs. Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Passed 177 games, all with the Chiefs between 63 and 76. So Uh, he he was on that Super Bowl four winning team then. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Yeah. He passed away at the age of 83. I'm mad I missed that because I would have wrote something about that. Now we can write it now. Um, also passing away, Bill McCall. Uh, played for the Bears from 52 to 59. Uh, passed away at the age of 93. Member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Two-time consensus All-American. Um, at uh, U.S. No, uh, Stanford. So he was a right end at uh, two-time at Stanford. Remember to call Triple Hall of Fame. Yeah, USC, Stanford, same thing. 
Yeah, no, the picture, there is that picture he was playing. He was making a tackle against a guy from USC. Okay. And, whatever. Um, and then Carl Barzalowskis, a member of the Jets from 74 to 77 and Packers 78 to 79, member of the all-rookie team in 74. Uh, he passed away at the age of 72. Okay, finally threw all the football people for real, I promise. Um, from baseball, uh, Billy Gardner, who played with the Giants, Orioles, Senators, Twins, Yankees, and Red Sox from 54 through 63. Uh, also managed the Twins uh, from 81 through 85 and the Royals in 87. Won World Series with the 54 Giants and the 61 Yankees. Uh, he passed away at the age of 96. There cannot be that many members of the 54 Giants left. I can't imagine. Well, wait a minute. The 54 Giants. Willie Mays is still alive. That is true. Willie Mays is still alive. But there, again, he's got Number to be first. of the United States Athletics Hall of Fame inaugural class. Oh, there you go. Fantastic. Yeah, you like that? that? That's how you do this. That's how you do um, a segue? That's how you do a segue. That, that's the um, clip we're going to send off to the segue people. Not the yeah, other we, need, we, we need segue to, to, to take care of us. Um, also, also passing for baseball, Bud Harrelson died. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a pretty big name. At the age of 79, two-time All-Star in 70 and 71, two-time All-Star uh, World Series winner with the Mets in 69, and then as a uh, coach in 86, won a gold glove in 71, member of the New York Mets Hall of Fame. Um, a career 236 hitter, uh, but one of the big uh, folks and probably um, – but, but he was the that classic back then uh, – Good, good glove, no hit infield. Yeah, right. You know, from what I've read about him, you know, like back before, what do you mean a shortstop can be six foot four and hit 30 home runs a year? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so he was also very famously involved in that fight with uh Pete Rose, uh, during the 73 right. uh, yeah, when, when yeah, Wilson passed away. Yep, so that was when Rose slid to second base. Um, and the game was nearly forfeited in the stadium crowds, threw objects at him, um, causing Sparky Anderson to remove the Reds from the field until orders restored. So, um, yeah. So imagine trying to, like, calm everyone, like, trying to calm down the the fans, and it's Yogi Berra, Willie Mays, Tom Seaver, Cleon Jones, and Rusty Stom were out there trying to calm everybody down. <laughs> but it was all sparked by... Uh, by saying that uh, the previous game that the Reds big red machine looked like me hitting today. That's how bad their offense had been. Mm -hmm. And that they got real pissed about that. Uh, but Bud Harrelson was 79. Mm -hmm. A couple of coaches um, from Don Reed, who won the NCAA one division one, a championship in 1995 with Montana. Uh, he passed away at the age of 90 and around here, very big name, Joey Meyer. Uh, the coach of DePaul from 84 to 97, which is really DePaul's heyday, um, passed away at the age of Basketball 70. or? Basketball, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I didn't know we moved to, to basketball because I think thinking, did DePaul have a heyday in baseball that I missed? Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I was going to coaches. So one was a hey, Sorry, sorry. Okay, my bad. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he was the coach of the year in 1987, the CBS Chevrolet coach of the year in 87. Mm. I wonder um, if you want a Chevrolet for that. You should have. 
Um, sticking with basketball, Herb Cole, former owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, oh. passed away at the age of uh, how old was he? Uh, uh, born in thirty-five, passed in twenty twenty-three. That makes him uh, eighty-eight. So Herb Cole was eighty-eight. Um, also from basketball, Eric Montross passed away since we last talked about this. Yeah. I remember draft pick, draft pick of the Boston Celtics. Yeah, well, I, he was a Raptor too. He was a Raptor and a Maverick and a Net and a 76er and a Piston. Um, and God bless him, he sucked for all of them. Well, he's a member. He, oh, he's not. He's not a member of the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's a little surprising. But yeah, if I remember, um, just like a big guy who would just, he'd get a few opportunities because of his size and could rebound. Yeah reasonably well but i mean like i don't i shouldn't speak ill over that but uh, you know what what are the probably this might be i don't know if this is the first time but it might be the i can't remember the last time this might be the first time we've ever talked about someone who passed away that i actually saw a live play for me i mean i'm sure i'm sure there have been people but yeah i've seen mount trust play live as well yeah in high school so um in high school he's remember, yeah because he played for the Celtics. I did see when he was in high school. I saw him when you were in high school. Okay, I thought like you went to see him and play high school ball. Sorry, no, no, no. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he was part of that in the 1993 Tar Heels team that beat the Fab uh, Five mm. in the 1993 championship. And I still remember when he was drafted by the Celtics. He became the first player to take the number zero, um, and he said he hoped that he was half as good as Robert Parrish, who had been double zero. Uh, which was a funny thing to say during the press conference, but didn't quite work out that way. Um, but yeah, he he died of cancer at only the age of 52. By all accounts, one of the nicest men ever. Oh, wow. So, um, and then I told you we talked about Dungeons and Dragons here quickly. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start actually with not Dungeons and Dragons, but one of the pe principal people behind Warhammer, uh, Brian Ansel. What's that? Uh, is that, another, like, is that another like role playing game or something? Yeah, okay. um, it's a war game and there's miniatures. It's 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 I won't say it's a Dungeons and Dragons alternative. It's uh, another game that a lot of, of those folks play. Uh, but he was pretty much the designer. Uh, he's the manage uh, manager director of Games Workshop, uh, and he's the one who really brought Warhammer to life. He passed away at only the age of sixty eight. Um, Wait, did I do my math right? Yeah, 68 for that one. And then one of the biggest ones, uh, General ja uh, Jackways, uh, who is another person. She did worked with Dungeons Dragons, the Dark Tower and the Caverns of Thracia. She also did uh, she did the uh, development of design of role-playing games for things like Pac-Man, Donkey Kong. Um, she created uh, Age of Empires series, Quake 2. Um, someone just involved in like all that fantasy, whatever nerdy world did a ton, a ton of stuff. And she passed at 67, which is like a big deal for those of us who care about Dungeons and Dragons. So there you go. Okay. That's everybody. We're up, we're up through January 5th. All right. Awesome. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I guess it's my section next, uh, elevator up, elevator down, where I look at anyone in the past week who might've made a hall of fame case better or yep. worse. Elevator up, elevator down.
And I've got one that's a slight elevator up, just basically he's allowed to get back into the elevator. He was an elevator down uh, a couple months ago, but the Edmonton Oilers just signed Corey Perry. And Corey Perry, uh, if you may remember, was basically his contract was revoked or just canceled, or I don't know quite how that worked uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks when first it was believed that he might've been sleeping with Connor Bedard's mom. That's probably not the case at all, but it seems to be. That, yeah. That, that was a weird rumor that seemed to come out of nowhere. Right. And I, I think when people heard the GM's re and I apologize, I don't remember the GM's GM's name for Chicago, but when you, when I heard his reaction to that, it's like, yeah, okay. You, he didn't do that. But from what we've under, heard later, it is basically due to showing up drunk or something to that effect. That could be right, could be wrong, but mm. that's what it's believed to be. Mm. He's getting another chance with Edmonton, and Edmonton's proven that it can be a haven for people who might have a few trouble. Evander Kane comes to mind. So mm. it's an interesting get because the Oilers... Uh, were the most disappointing start to the season. They're on, I believe, a 13-game win streak or 13-game unbeaten streak. I'm not sure exactly what, but uh, they went from the near the basement to a to if the season ended today to a playoff spot. So, long story short, you can't rebuild your Hall of Fame career if you're not on the ice. He's back on the ice. We'll see what he does. I still don't see him as an eventual Hall of Famer based on everything leading up to this, but I'm saying there's a chance. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a dumb and dumber thing there going on. So, I mean, that was the only elevator up I have. Uh, that was only from a few hours ago as we're recording this. I I, I messaged you before saying, I don't really have one. Mm -hmm. But, uh Yeah. Um, I'm looking right now. Edmonton is on a 13 game winning streak. So, okay. So I was, I was, I was right. Okay. I couldn't remember whether it was unbeaten or, or winning, which they had, uh, been they had been 13, 15 and one, and they won 13 straight to go from, what was that? Uh, 27 points to 53. So they doubled essentially their points total for the year in the last. Yeah. Weeks. And they, they've just got too much talent for them to have struggled that bad at the beginning of the season. But uh, that's neither here nor there. There, there uh, were stupid rumors going around Boston sports media of trade that of whether the Bruins could work a trade for Dreisaitl based <laughs> around um, based around uh, um, Olmark. Um, because their goaltending had been so freaking bad that, and I'm like, there's no way this is happening. It was one of those things, but it was one of those things their, their goaltending was largely responsible for how bad they had been at the beginning of the year. The yeah, and, and, and Stuart Skinner sort of uh, turned turned that ship around. Yeah. I don't remember who, who his number two is. Oh, that, that's a, oh, God, that would be a great trade for Boston. No, fantastic. I mean, we have Swayman is pretty much just as good. Beginning I'd say better around. right now. What? I'd say I, I'd have, I've got Swayman over Olmark right now. Well, Omar also ripped his groin and is just coming back from it. So, well, then I'm um, right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, good for Corey Perry. I do have a question for you. Sure. Um, speaking of going back to the Bills, mm -hmm. what does this loss do to the legacy of 
Um, oh my God, his name is turning right on my head. The Bills quarterback, uh, Allen? Josh Allen. Oh, Josh Allen. Jake the, Allen. The, 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 like he he just cannot beat. This is now essentially Brady against Manning at the early part of their career. He's still so he's still young enough that, and I think he gets a pass because he doesn't have the same weapons that Kansas City does. This year, Kansas City overall in terms of perception, yes. Who's who's Buffalo's best defensive player? Okay, well, I mean, I'm thinking offensive players. I'm right, but I'm just talking about like like the overall picture, right? Uh, like, remember, wasn't it, it was like a month, like six weeks ago? You and I, you said the Bills were cooked, and I agreed with you. Yeah. So I mean, I, for, and then they went on a tear to get to land that number two seed. So I mean, what I Kansas City too, and I, I just made their sixth straight AFC Championship. That's got to be a record. No, I, the, the the Patriots are way ahead. No, and six in consecutive. Yeah, what's what's the Patriots consecutive? Oh, I think it's ten. Is it ten consecutive uh, conference finals they've been into? Um, consecutive AFC championship games. Eleven. No, oh, hold on, eight, eight straight. Eight. Okay, so uh, I was 2011 through 2018. All right, so I, I, I wasn't as close as I thought. Uh, I, I thought there was more gaps in there. Either way, you've got this juggernaut of a team. I don't know that his legacy takes a beating. I think he gets a pass for another couple of years. Now, mm-hmm. when you look at this game, you can look at the kicker and blame him. But, I mean, to be fair, you're in Buffalo. Never let it come down to the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I I think someone maybe representing Buffalo who watches it more closely than you and I do can sort of answer that. On the outside looking in, I feel like he's still getting a bit of a pass. And I, I think and that there's a lot of people thinking that Allen is still like the best player there and they, they got to surround him with better pieces. I mean, and to be fair, he threw on a 70 yard bomb that hit Stefan Diggs in the hands and yeah. Drake's just absolutely dropped. I mean, that was. One of the most beautiful passes I've ever seen. Great. In it, it, it was beautiful. McDuffie had a great game today, uh, just like all, all over the place. I mean, Kansas City was the better team. Uh, it's it's one thing, like, if you get there and then you choke, like Dallas. Right. Uh, Buffalo is – they've had better teams than this, fail. Oh, true. Certainly. So I, I but this is the worst Kansas City. This is the worst Kansas City team overall in my I don't know the last half decade. That's a fair. That's a fair statement. So if they're not going to beat this team, because you got to figure next year the Chiefs are going to be like, oh wait, we need to get him more receivers than just a rookie because Kelsey is Kelsey played great tonight, but Kelsey's not the same player. And huh. I'm sorry, Miko Hartman is not their answer. So they need they need offensive talent for him but if you're not going to beat him this year i don't see how they're going to beat him going forward i just i just think this is bad for josh allen's josh allen and finch is now he's now early peyton manning against brady now manning eventually got through brady in the yeah but but manning was in a better spot because manning always seemed to get a pass and he was always considered the best quarterback at some point in time Allen has always been in that top tier, but has anyone ever said at this point? That's true. Is he number one? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is number one. Right. Yeah. 
and so, now he's playing the hottest quarterback right now in Lamar with a phenomenal mm-hmm. defense. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, personally, for in terms of like overall entertainment, I want to see San Francisco versus Baltimore in terms of who I want to win of who's left is Detroit because they yeah. yeah, but I my 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 son my son who decided two years ago he was gonna be a Bengals fan for life. Don't get don't ask me why they're in the Super Bowl and he took it very hard when they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now a Lions fan for the rest of this. For well, he's, still, he's still a preteen. He gets a pass on this sort of thing. If he does, this, if he does this in his early twenties, you you tell him that Kirk's gonna have a problem with him. You're gonna say because I'll be sixty then. I don't really care. Anyway, uh, <laughs> never mind. As, as, well, as as a joke was. Uh, Nick Saban left Alabama, Belichick left the Patriots, and the Cowboys lost in the first round of the playoffs. It was a very, very tough week for Yankees fans. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that. Um, anyway, so let's get to my good, bad, and ugly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good, the bad, and the ugly of the week. <laughs> want to do it in order this time so good look at you um which i normally don't do but i'm gonna do it this way Mm -hmm. uh first of all we very quickly this is the main thing i do want to give congratulations to the detroit lions um Mm -hmm. they have i'm 45 years old during my lifetime they had one one playoff game in the last two weeks they have now one they've doubled the number of games they won, I guess, tripled it technically. Um, so congratulations to them. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat the 49ers. I feel better. I feel better about the, their chances. This is almost dumb because they would never play the Ravens in the Ravens stadium during the playoffs. But I feel like they have a much better chance playing in San Francisco than they would in Baltimore, if that makes sense. So I think their chances are better against the 49ers than against any of the other teams in their stadium. Um, so it's possible if Purdy plays as badly as he did yesterday, um, I think the Lions have a legitimate shot. So yeah, anyway, sure. I feel good for my friends who are Lions fans, particularly my buddy Louis, Louis Sabong, who is a lifelong Lions fan, born in the Philippines, uh, but has been a Lions fan his entire life. Um, I hope Louis Let me guess, because of Barry Sanders? Uh, probably. Yeah, I, I mean, Louis. I never asked Louis why, because um, he's not. I don't, I don't think he actually grew up in Michigan. Um, yeah, but if he's your he, age, right? Then he then he would have like in his coming of age. Barry was yeah, that that, that's probably yeah. But yeah, Louis is the longest suffering Lions fan I know, so I'm hoping he's celebrating tonight. Even if they don't do anything else, the fact that the coach who said we're going to bite their kneecaps off got this team to the NFC Championship game is kind of amazing. So good for them. But the, the person I really want to spend some time on, and I know that we um, don't necessarily talk about college women's basketball that much, but uh, Tara Vanderveer, the coach of Stanford. Oh, this is, this is another good because of the record she just tied or broke. Yeah, she became the winningest basketball coach in NCAA history, huh? passing Coach K. Um, she beat Oregon State 65-56, giving her 1,200. 103 career victories as coach and uh, that is and a nominee coming up because she was a nominee first nominee was, yes uh she will be a nominee again for the united states athletics hall of fame in the coach division 
Yep, there you go. Like that. Uh, but that that's two. I'm impressed. But I just want to spend some time talking about that. She, I mean, I haven't heard anything negative about Vanderveer um, throughout the career. Good for her. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it's, it's, it's big. It's pretty big. She's going to keep pushing it out. Mm -hmm. uh, so the reason I wanted to do it, good, bad, ugly, I want to stay in college basketball for the bad. And it's actually the comment I'm going to talk about. I don't know if you happen to see um, – uh, the press conference for um, uh, I'm going to say no because I probably haven't. <laughs> yeah, for um, Gino Oriema. No. Uh, so very Gino's good. sometimes very thoughtful, sometimes a raging ale, right? Um, this time it was a thoughtful, interesting answer. I don't know if I fully agree with him, but it was at least something to start with. And I think he's right. Uh, NIL is made it in such a way that players are able to jump from place to place whoever's going to do mark increase their market value uh, and i understand that uh, and he said that maybe new coaches coming in this is the only way they know when they're going to thrive in that situation he also admitted that because using women's basketball and at this point the most successful person in women's basketball getting people to be professionals Nobody's going to get more marketing opportunities in women's basketball than they will at UConn, generally, right? Now you have some outliers. What's her name for LSU and and well, Caitlin Clark in yeah, Iowa, yeah, Clark in Iowa, right? So like, things like that, right? Yeah. But yeah, but they're outliers. People aren't going to Iowa for women's college basketball to increase their market value. Do you know what I'm saying? Unless you unless they're looking for their old baseball dead heroes, they're not going to Iowa. Period. Correct. Um, so, but UConn, UConn's one of the few places that's separate for that. And he admitted that as well. But what he said is he doesn't understand how old school coaches are going to be able to coach if people are jumping every year, right? It's like you you work real hard with the player, you make him good, you make get him somewhere they're going to go, and then they just jump to the next town, next place to get him stuff. And what, the, what this is going to do and maybe needed to be, this is a reckoning that's been coming for a while. But what it's going to end up doing to college basketball, right? Because this whole thing, all the leagues changing everything else has been driven by football. It just has over the last decade. And it's looking like if we are going to get any promotion relegation, we're going to get it in college football. We may be without conferences coming up or we'll have like, we'll have four, four 16 team conferences that are regional and then we'll have sub-regional conferences where teams can go up and down uh, into, into each of them, yeah. which that's what it's looking like for college football. Now, basketball is not going to have that same thing, but it's facing a situation in which, like, it's going to fall apart. Like, uh, most of these college sports are going to fall apart with the way that I'm not, and again, I'm not saying that players shouldn't get it. They should get every dollar they can absolutely get, right? No, they shouldn't be doing this. But the fact the NCAA was so woefully unprepared for this, despite the fact Ed O'Bannon sued them in 2008, mm -hmm. I think is when he started with that. And they should have seen this coming. There's the jumping of ships and all this other stuff constantly is going to be a problem. It's at least something, like, like I said, I don't fully agree with them on everything. But it's at least something to look at, and it's going to be something which is it, it, going to be for the second most 
popular sport in college and maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, further ones on down the line. I, yeah, so. and I've got a thought. Uh, I forget who it was who was subbing for you uh, that week. I brought up uh, Angel Reese and like another yeah, thing. Angel Reese, that's one from LSU. I forgot her name when I was talking. Yeah, talking. And, and sort of ties in with, with a lot of these new changes with everything uh, because there's been a, a few place you know things that i watch because again that's such a weird thing to say that there's left-wing sports and right-wing sports there is and i watch them both to get as much perspective as i can uh which will be sort of like relevant later when you talk about your ugly because i actually know what it is we don't i usually don't uh we saw something with her where she missed sat out a few games but we don't know why mm -hmm. and now that she, this is the first time, God, it's the first time in a small child's lifetime where this is actually possible for anyone to really make some decent money legally. Mm -hmm. Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark are the two most marketable female basketball players, period. Correct. It's crazy considering that they've never played a pro, their, their combined pro games are zero. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, the most next, the most marketable women's basketball players I can think of are Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, and they're Sue Bird's retired, and Ty Diana Taurasi's, I don't know how much more she's got left. Yeah, my point is, they're the most, the most well-known basketball names in women's basketball names in the country generally are someone who's retired and someone who's getting close. Right. So you've got Angel Reason. I don't know what it was, but. And it might have been something personal with family. I, I I have no idea. It was never made public. But it was believed. To, again, I don't know. I don't know. So I want to. Yeah, we got it. It's with the, yeah, thousand pounds of salt here. Here she's getting some money, while she's still in college. Now we've seen college celebrities before, but we've never seen college celebrities with cash before. Correct. And they're 21, 22. I've yeah. got to expect her to sort of like have the same the. The rationale that I have as a 51-year-old? How? I mean, like, we are going to see so many more of these. And, and it's actually amazing that the first one, possibly the first casualty, or the first one that, that we've seen of this, who might be doing something that she shouldn't do, is, is a female. Which is crazy, considering the, the uh, separation between men and women's sports and popularity overall. But... One thing, though, in, in our lifetime uh, that we, will remain common and common in your, your kid's lifetime, your son and your daughter, the NCAA will be a mess. Oh, God, yes. And it will be allowed to exist because it is free minor leagues. Yep. Yeah. I'm not, NFL, I've got no reason to change it. Yeah, well, that was one of the complaints we always heard about People being mad that um, professional or that college players were leaving early from college to go to the NBA and NFL was part of that race space because those are mostly African American players. Yes, mostly. Yeah. But one of the other problems that both those sports have that hockey and and baseball don't is hockey and baseball have actual minor league systems, which mm -hmm. are designed to help grow these people through. You get cut from a football team. Like for years, I guess you could go to NFL Europe and hope somebody noticed you, right? There was well, there's no yeah. other there there's no other real system to go to, 
right? College ba basketball, I guess you could go to play for the Globetrotters or the Generals. But, but, but I guess there, it's there, there were else really go, or China or overseas. But at least now these football players, right? Now they can make something as a college star. So like, say, let's take a, the, one of the biggest tragedies in the last 20 years, Maurice Claret, who sued yeah. unsuccessfully when he was an Ohio State running back. He said, like, I'm good enough. I want to get paid now. And he couldn't do it. And he eventually did get in, but he was bitter. He was a head case and he got injured. Mm -hmm. I think he's in jail now. I'm not even sure. Or he went to jail. I know that much. I don't know where he is at this point. But I mean, like, at least if this, in this system now, Maurice could sort of like make some money in Columbus. He could do something, right? Oh, in, Colum in Columbus, Ohio State is God. Correct. Football. So at least he'd be making some money. He would have, he would get to make some money off his name. And again, the most, and I've had this argument with people so many times. And I'm so glad, I guess, my, the way I'm sort of thinking one, it's like, well, they're getting a free education. Well, Okay. Yeah, no. but, but I mean that—that's the whole thing. Bob Huggins' graduation rate at University of Cincinnati was zero. He had zero people graduate at the university. He didn't even actually have one graduate accidentally. He had a zero percent <laughs> graduation rate at the University of Cincinnati. So, what kind of education are these folks actually getting? Like that's one the one of the complaints that Notre Dame boosters. One of the things that makes Notre Dame thinks makes them different than every everyone else is the players actually have to go to class. They actually have to do stuff. That's one of the things they make to do. And then North Carolina had people actually taking tests for their for their basketball players and got like the minorest slap on the wrist for it. Like there's just, that is such a bullcrap thing. There's so many of these guys leaving college who still don't freaking know how to read because it wasn't important for them to actually know how to read to any of the people who are helping them along their way in the career. The high school level. People giving them these free educations. Yeah. How can you get a free education if you know, never had to do anything in school all the way through? Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, but in some ways it can work. I think I told you about the guy I met in Barbados, right? Who, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll just repeat that story. Uh, he, he was good enough to play college basketball, played at Wichita State, and he knew that he wasn't going to be a superstar, but mm -hmm. he got his degree in agricultural economics or something like that, or agricultural technology. I apologize. I don't so know. basically what every Wichita State student uses, I guess, the, based on... Oh, I mean, like he became one of the biggest, most successful farm, for like, like uh, runs one of the most successful farms in Barbados. Right. So, and, and I'm not saying there aren't a lot of players like that, right? Sure. There aren't that there aren't a lot of people out there who, you know, their families might not be able to afford to go whatever and they go to pick a school. I'll just throw Wake Forest out there. I have no connection to Wake Forest. I'm just picking one. And they go to Wake Forest and get an actual degree and learn something and know that they're not going to become a professional athlete coming out. But the whole AAU system in basketball is designed where who cares? Like, I don't care if you can't read or you read at a third grade level, because it's not important to what money you can make for me, right? Or make for yourself, me via making it for yourself. At least and now again, they can. But, but looking at all this stuff, like, there's been all these draft pieces on Caleb Williams, right? Who's likely the first pick in the draft. And he has a freaking penthouse in Los Angeles that he's living in while a student at USC. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I am not ripping on him for this. He's in, in, entirely entitled to it, right? But Reggie Bush lost his Heisman 
for getting an Impala and having his parents live in a place rent free, mm -hmm. right? The UMass Minutemen didn't officially make the 1995 NCAA Final Four because Marcus Camby got a necklace for that was allegedly worth two hundred thousand dollars. Like the idea, the morals have always been screwed up in this whole system. Now the players getting stuff, they still. My point is, they still don't know what they're doing. And it's going to be a massive problem for all the sports going forward, particularly with the, particularly with what they need to do with Title IX. I'm going to be honest, because if they're going to have these sport, this they have to have a certain number of opportunities under Title IX for everyone else. And if all the money's just going, and money was going these places anyway, hey, here's but like you're not going to have. Yeah, I just I just don't know what's going to happen, and other sports are just going to go. You're not going to have. I don't know, lacrosse teams. You're not going to have baseball teams. You're not going to have whatever because they're going to start cutting stuff and all the money's just going to people are making money. It's it's a mess. It's just always interesting. If you have a chance to watch Oriama's press conference, I thought it was, like I said, I didn't agree with him on everything, but it was at least an interesting place to start a conversation. That, that's my bad. Okay. Uh, so you're ugly. Uh, well, we kind of gave a tease, so I guess I can sort of open that up. Yeah. Uh, the death of Sports Illustrated. Now, I know print magazines are going the way of dodo except for like specialty stuff if you have a hobby magazine you're going to be fine because your circulation isn't going to be affected right but all these big national magazines it's all way down it's stuff online whatever and the and these um what's the word i'm looking for the uh uh the the organizations that come with a whole bunch of money to buy stuff up i can't think of the word right now because it's 10 30 at night um who are coming in the banes of the world mm -hmm. to take over and streamline and all this other stuff. So I, what was it? A month and a half ago, Sports Illustrated got busted for printing out, having two uh, reports out from fake reporters. They just used AI and had AI generated pictures. They decided to use, I think it was a reporter for, maybe it was the Bengals. They wanted like a fan reporter for the Bengals and he was a senior in high school. Like they had no idea who this person was. So their old model used to be hire four or five of the best reporters in the sport and have them write stuff for you. That's how Sports Illustrated worked, right? So you had your Peter King, you had uh, Peter Gammons, you had folks like that were coming right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Dr. Z. Like you had people like that writing great stuff all the time. And that's why people wanted Sports Illustrated, plus the pictures, which of course changed with the internet, and the swimsuit suit issue, which also changed with the internet. Um, but it was a big deal. And they have fit as it's very confusing as to what actually happened, but they're essentially laying off all their staff, for what we could tell. Although they're saying that the people who are being laid off are gonna have the opportunity to work other, I don't know what's going on officially with it, but Sports Illustrated officially died this week but right? they were they were birdie lomax for a long time they, they they're a corpse that has been held up for a while uh i i do want to sort of like tackle some of the right-wing people here and again i'm a centrist but when they say get woke go broke and a lot of time you're right now sports illustrated at that point when they started putting okay the we're gonna have megan rapino in our cover or we're gonna have a a trans person they were looking for a lifeline. They were trying to come up with anything at that point because they were already dead. 
Evan and I, and probably a lot of people who are watching this or listening to this, as much as, again, I can rag on ESPN a lot, and I have, ESPN is my go-to every day. I don't know the last time, unless I didn't have internet, that I didn't go on ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you're the same. I, I could be mistaken on that, probably. Well, I used to go to sportsillustrated.com all the time, too, but they had the single freaking worst website for the last 15 years. It wasn't just a recent thing. It has been awful for a decade and a half. They fell behind the times. They fell behind the curve. They are, and I tweeted this, uh, or X'd this, posted, whatever, I don't know. Uh, they became the blockbuster of their generation, or of their field. Blockbuster could have bought Netflix. They didn't. Yeah. Uh, Sports Illustrated, when we were kids, even up until maybe the early 2000s, was the gold standard, until it stopped being the gold standard. And it became not even a standard at all. Yeah. They didn't break anything. They didn't do anything. The only time they made news was cut through in the last three years. Wasn't there anything they broke? It was all through controversial swimsuit pictures. Mm. Honestly, that was the only time they ever got, they ever trended until they died. Mm. I can't feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for the people who lost their jobs, but they did this to themselves. You fell behind the curve. Yeah, but again, the venture capitalists was the word I was looking for earlier, by the way. Okay. But the venture capitalists who come in and strip everything down to bare parts and whatever, repackage stuff. It's Sports Illustrated after probably behind the times. The other ones who did the same, Barnes and Noble, I had the opportunity to basically partner with Amazon and said, no, we just can do stores. Why would you ever do anything on the internet? Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked out well for them. Um yeah, actually, they, they're they closing 236 shops, and I saw an article saying that beloved book, uh, beloved retail chain can't keep up, or uh, a bookseller can't keep up with whatever, and I'm like, beloved bookseller is like Barnes & Noble, which is like, not exactly, it's not exactly, I guess it is your local bookstore now, but not really. Well, um, I, I joke with but, Paul, uh, he was just watching uh, You've Got Mail, and I said, well, you know, I'm listening to that or while I'm working and then she's she's playing that just just sort of little fun movie in the background. I said, you know, at least at this point, both Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks would be unemployed now. Mm-hmm. AOL. Okay. This thing was that you owned a big giant bookstore come, come yeah. yeah. I actually I watched some of the net a week ago. Oh, that's got to age well, huh? That did not age well. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. I only saw about 20 minutes of it. I was like, oh boy. Um, but anyway. Um, I felt the same way with the Lawnmower Man. I never saw Lawnmower Man, so I don't have an answer on that oh, one. It's, it's, they're, they're trying to do like virtual reality. Oh, okay. Um, I do remember Cool World, where it got dropped into the... Uh, cartoon universe but anyway well, at least brad pitt aged well can't say the same about kim basinger but anyway anyway um uh yeah so it's just it's an ugly day sports media is in serious decline um we haven't I mean, even talked about the espn of like uh faking things to get emmys like why or local emmys who gives a shit yeah i don't i don't know um I mean, I just everything has been going on with the Patriots stuff, like, like, 
someone asked Gerard Mayo a direct question about yeah, yeah, whether that. his race mattered and whether he saw race. He's like, of course I see race. If you don't see race, you can't see racism. And then the right wing's like, he's a woke. Or like, he was asked a direct question and answered it as a black man. Um, well, so, yeah, I, I thought that was sort of like an over. I mean, you have people have different answers on that. I mean, either way, let's just judge him on how he how he how he does. That's all I care about. Um, but then at the same time, we have uh, Felger, who's the one of the worst people in the sports, but somehow the most popular sports radio guy in Boston, and still one of the dumbest people in Boston. Uh, Felger and Mass have the top sports radio show in Boston in 98.5. Um, what do you, you say? They both used to write for the Herald. Okay. Um, uh, but they had uh, they had Tom um, oh, crap, Hearn on there today. And Mayo was hired on Wednesday and had like a his introductory press conference on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I'm already tired of all the stuff they're saying about whatever. We need action. He's been in the role for three freaking days. What actually like, is he supposed to do at this point? I don't know. Have a full, I guess, already have had the draft, all the free agents, and the coaching staff in place, apparently. But he, like, he should have negotiated with uh, with Roger Goodell to gain uh, the New England Patriots a buy to place the to play the winner of the Super Bowl right after the game. I don't want that. We get our asses kicked. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I sports media is a mess anyway, but it's just a very ugly sign of times that like I, I have I literally in the basement right now have two huge crates of Sports Illustrated stuff. I had Sports Illustrated from 92 through 2012, 13 oh. delivered to me and I kept all of them. Um, I have like LeBron James cover in 2003 that he was going to be the next big thing. I found that one the other day. Um, well, the like, was great. Yeah, they did. Um, and some of those, if you ever looked, they used to have the faces in the crowd where they had like up and coming people and you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's a 19 year old Tracy McGrady. <laughs> or <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't even 19. He was like 15. So 15 year old Tracy McGrady was in one of them. And they had, uh, Who's the other one I saw? Um, it was there were fourteen. Oh god, I can't remember who it was. It was um, I can't remember. It was a tennis player. Uh, it was it one of the Williams sisters? Uh, it was oh, it was fourteen year old Andy Roddick. That's who it was. Hmm. And I was like, oh, look, baby Andy Roddick. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, uh, it's it's just. It's the whole thing is ugly. We've gotten to the point where, and maybe it's just media in general, it doesn't really matter. Facts don't matter anymore. Everything's going to be replaced with AI. And well, AI and, uh, or whoever can talk the loudest. Well, that's the other thing. That's the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers that we talked about last week. With, you know, I mean, I tried watching Get Up the other day. Yeah. That is just four people yelling at each other without listening to whatever whatever else anybody else had previously said. Well, that's what get got. That's what I think got Kendrick Perkins in, in kind of trouble. Not trouble, but just a bit of notice. Just I got to come up with something. Oh, yeah, and, and Rex Rex Ryan was on there saying that uh, that it was all Brady. It was never Belichick. I'm like Rex. 
what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it, he needed to say, like, he knew what he was saying was, was a lie. And he didn't believe that. By the way, for those guys who are, you know, too young to remember, Brady won those first Super Bowls because of Seymour, Law, Brewski, Rabel, uh, Ted Washington, like all those guys, uh, Roman Pfeiffer, Anthony Pleasant, like that uh, lawyer Malloy, that those defenses were freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't win any of those Super Bowls without the defenses that Belichick built. I'm sorry, he doesn't. He wasn't fully Brady until 2006 when they realized that his offensive weapons sucked. And in 2007, they got him Randy Moss and Wes Welker. And then boom, he was Brady, the way we think of Brady now. But those first three Super Bowls were entirely that defense. Don't tell me that Brady with David Patton and and Jermaine Wiggins and uh, David Givens and a 34-year-old Troy Brown, who's also playing defense at the time, were like some offensive juggernaut. They weren't. Names that I never thought would be on this show. The first three. They were heavily dependent upon Antoine Smith as a running back and then Corey Dillon as a running back. Like, Uh, the whole thing is just dumb. It's like whatever sells now, right? Everyone's trying to fire Tomlin. Why? If Tomlin were fired, he would be the he'd be the number one, he'd even border than Belichick. Tomlin's what, 53, 54? Looks it's the same even, as when he got hired, too. Yeah, he, he looks exactly the same. Big. But like he's 20 years younger than Brady than Belichick, and he hasn't had a real quarterback in 12 years at this point. Well, like if the, you give yeah. if you give him a if he was fired, he would be the first coach hired. But we're all like cycle, 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 cycle. And you forget everyone, they'll con- contradict what they said the day before because it, none of it fucking matters. All these guys, Dov, Dov Kleinman and uh, the people over at Pro Football Weekly, all this stuff, they make shit up all the time. And the hopes that finally something is right. Albert Breer has no idea what goes on with the Patriots. He's not been in that locker room at all. He's been basically banned, but he's like, I got insiders. No, you don't. You have a magic eight ball. So it sounds, it sounds like a sideline reporter for the NFL. No, that, well, first of all, she did a lot of damage to sideline reporters. Cause I don't think, her, I don't think her situation is actually representative of what most of sideline reporters do. I'm going to be honest with you. I think those folks work pretty hard on stuff and she was just like, eh, whatever. Right. Well, oops, sorry about that. Uh, I, I, I think she's, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think you get sort of thrown under the bus to a point. Like, okay, we're, we're going to throw to you at X time. What if you don't have nothing? Then don't do Maybe. it. Then, then work at the truck. Don't, don't, don't do yeah, it. If, if, if you can't find the coach, find an assistant. Well, coach. No, but I mean, if you've got no information, right? right. So, so, so like, hey. Just say, hey, information's been hard to find out. What we know is, yeah, uh, Coach X is under no obligation at the uh, during the game to tell you a damn thing. After sure, okay. they've got to attend the press conference. But I mean, like, you're not getting any gems. I, uh, Walter Cron- Cronkite could be brought from the dead, and he's not going to get a gem out of anybody. 
and a sideline reporting gig. It's just not yeah. happening. Yeah, it, it, it is the most worthless position in media. I'm sorry, but it is because rare because and if they do have something, maybe you get that and then you set you feed it to other people. Hey, I've got a yeah. gen, I've got something, and then and then let so and so do it. Yeah, whoever's broadcasting game. My opinion. I mean, you, you got to figure. You got to figure. It's actually probably advantage for guys. I'm thinking of old, old sideline reporters: Tony Siragusa, Irv Cross, people like that who actually have some real connections with some of the players, um, who would be able to do it. I don't know. If, I don't know how hard it becomes with other things. So, by the way, Tomlin is 51. He's somehow only 51 years old. All right. So he looks younger than me. That's depressing because I'm 51. I always like it when I find people who look older than me at 51. Well, yeah. So Tomlin's 51. Vrabel's 48. He's going to get a head coaching job here any second. Like, I, I, yeah, we'll see. But just, I don't know. Sports, it's just a decline of Sports Illustrated and quality writing matters. It just does. It matters. It matters well, in general. All the way yeah, the, you know, considering uh, you, you you weren't sure what you're gonna do for your GBU, you really uh, we yeah, really I, had a long I, one here, I, but I thought about it. Like, I'm just there's so many things I just get frustrated with. Like, I'm sorry, Mad Dog has no idea what he's talking about in ESPN. Uh, I haven't listened to him in years. He literally just starts talking, and whatever comes to his mind. Stephen A. is spread too thin. He doesn't know what's going on a lot of time because he's supposed to be an expert on everything, which is impossible. And he has to have a take on everything, which is impossible. Right? Yeah. He also goes into a lot of pop culture too, which, you know, and I sort of learned this. Yeah. Just this. Uh, sometimes I get down on myself, I'll admit, when I'm talking to some people in a football group, it's like, damn, they know way more than I do. And then I realize in a lot of cases, a lot of them don't watch other sports. I do. That's all they do. Right. So, I mean, two of our most intelligent people in our group. I mean, so I remember asking, like, what else are you watching? Nothing. So, of course, they're going to know football way better than I do. Yeah, of course. You know, I, but sometimes you got to know your limitations. Uh, I guess with limitations, my friend. There you go. Well, I I think we've hit a limit to this show. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. Yes. That's a good segue. Uh, so check out a lot of the other shows that we're doing here in the Bucknerverse. Uh, I've been doing a lot more interviews lately. So yeah. check check some of those out. Uh, a lot of them have been on some books that have been written. Uh, there was a great one I did with Darren Hayes. I really learned a lot about that one where he, t- he wrote a book on the 1903 Franklin All-Stars, a team that was so good that not only were they undefeated, nobody scored on them. Holy shit. <laughs> not a single point. And so it's an interesting thing, like how the hell could that even come together? And then they don't even exist the year after. Mm. So he talks a bit about that. Uh, Mike Richman, uh, who is a journalist out of Washington, he did a great book on George Allen, Football Life. Mm. Uh, so that's out. I got the chance to talk to uh, Melvin Thrower, the son of Willie Thrower. Mm. So in terms of football history, it's a pretty good thing because he was the first ever true black quarterback. Uh, whereas there have been other people who got to play that position, but that position hadn't been really fleshed out. Right. They they were they were halfbacks who got the ball from the center and then decided what right, to right. But the first true quarterback, uh, he roomed with uh, I didn't know this, uh, George Blanda. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So he was the, he was 
the first person who I recorded, the first video I recorded for the uh, USA. There you go. That's number first four. Or three. There, there you yes. go. Three. Yes. There you go. Uh, we, so there's been a, a lot more of that. Uh, Evan and I were part of something. Thank, thank, thank you, Jack, because I just, I'm well, sorry. That, that was great. I loved, I, I watched everyone's. I thought we all did a pretty good job. Um, yeah, there there are a couple things. I was like, oh, I could have said something else here. I kind of said, but like it was great seeing it with all the information up there. It was fantastic, well, and I really appreciate everything that everybody did on that. Uh, and, even the two guys from Philly. <laughs> well, you know, sh shout yeah, out to, shout out to our webmaster who uh, added added the the stats after the fact and just sort of uh, yeah. isolated some of the work there, so we could sort of like do that differently because that was something that we normally recorded live, but you know, like we sort of, uh, we're a group in progress. We learn as we go. It's like, maybe we don't need to record us counting things and counting badly. Right. You I know, do, I do what I can, but they took that away from me this time. So, uh, well, no. well, I'm well, kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. But just, just some of the, the other stuff there. Uh, Vinny's Vinny Las Penusa has been doing a lot more stuff with us. We've been recording a lot more episodes of where Vinny makes the hall of fame case for, uh, also him and I are doing a series where we're looking at people who were nominated for the pro for the Naismith basketball hall of fame, not necessarily reaching the finals level because we found that the hoopal does a very poor job in actually telling you why these people were even, even reached the stage in the first place. So we do series where we're looking at four people, even after they sort of announce whoever gets through as finalists. It's still sort of a nice thing looking at football or football, basketball history, especially when we look at some of the the people in the the old veterans category, some women who haven't been thought of. Uh, a real interesting one, too, is when we go international. Mm. And, you know, especially some of the upcoming basketball countries. You know, the United States has taken was was the dominant factor until they weren't. Right. And there's a lot of these people who we're talking about, and which is how we got here. Uh, I mean, think think of the NBA right now. Mm -hmm. The top three candidates for the MVP, none are you Americans. Although Joe L. Embiid's trying to be, right? Uh, trying to be American, one, but yeah, right. But Joel Embiid, uh, Jokic. And uh, what's his name in Dallas? Uh, yeah, right. Like none of those guys are Americans. Like, who, who's the top American I'll, player right now? I'll throw another player there you didn't mention, and uh, Shea. Yeah, Shea Gil Gilgis Alexander is another SGA. I mean, the top American player right now is probably, I mean, Tatum, and he's fifth yeah. or sixth probably on that list. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even included Giannis yet. But, you know, at, at the same time, though, I mean, like, you know, things change. I mean, I was going to say to you, uh, but we, we didn't record that. You know, congratulations to the United States for winning the, the junior hockey championship. Uh, well, well earned. And I will go on record and it kills me to say this. I honestly think that right now they don't do a ranking system in international hockey. They should, maybe they do. And I don't pay attention. They probably do. But. If if I were to sort of like do a current ranking of all of all things, I would put the United States at number one wow. right now over Canada. I, I I truly believe that. And, if, and you know, it wasn't all that long ago. Like, what do you mean? There's like uh, out of the top ten players, there's uh, two non-Canadians. Well, you know, like right now, Connor McDavid may not win that win that heart. Pasternak's a check. Uh, 
who else is like uh, coming up? Uh, Kucherov's from Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the Hughes. I mean, Austin, Austin Matthews is from freaking Phoenix. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing to sort of like watch that it, as, you know, you take one thing away, then other things sort of take its place. The United States athletic pool hasn't shrunk. It's just diversified. Correct. And and honestly, as someone pointed out, if the NHL never, if the Winnipeg Jets never go to Phoenix and never go to Arizona, Austin Matthews probably never plays hockey because there wasn't the infrastructure there in order for him to do it. That was one of the things when I was going through with Chris, with Chris Chelios. Chelios went to high school where there was no hockey teams mm-hmm. and had to go to junior hockey in Canada, which didn't work out for him at first before he... He ended up going to, I can't remember the name of the school in San Diego, which was the only hockey program west of the Mississippi at that time mm-hmm. for college. They had one collegiate hockey program west of the Mississippi when Chelios was a junior player. Yeah, I'll, I'll match the same thing. Uh, Takeaway of Vince Carter out of playing for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the biggest things that ever that I never thought I'd ever see happen, which is, is a minor thing to a lot of people, but Canada won a bronze in the world mm-hmm. at FIBA. With a, and one of their best players wasn't there in Jamal Murray because he was just taxed. Yeah, right. You know, but that, that team I mean, is At some point, the U.S. is going to have a – and Pulisic is great. But at some point, the U.S. is going to have a transcendent soccer player. A lot of it's going to come out of this World Cup, and I'm not lying about it. It may happen to Canada as well. Like the soccer's been building, but mainly international soccer. Like, but what goes on with the the Spanish league and the English league and the French league and the German league and the Italian league, right? Those have been building over here. You can get any of those games on TV. It's easy to get those games in MLS games, honestly, over here. Uh, but when this comes through and everybody sees everybody, there the U.S. a decade from now, the U.S. is going to have a player on the level of maybe not Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, but that next level of guys down, they're going to be one of the top 10, 15 players in the world going to be an American for the first time. And I'm telling you, it's coming out in this World Cup. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. All right, well, with that, this we thought this would be an hour. It wasn't. Wormp, wormp. Uh, wherever you, never is. Uh, wherever you are, wherever you may be, make today a great one because it's not going to come again. Stay safe, everyone. Take care, guys.